Uh, it is so great to be standing before God's people this morning. I always consider it an awesome responsibility. So my job this morning is to help to activate the sons and daughters of God to walk in their predestined pathway, post-haste. I'm here to tell you that there's some of us who have been lingering in a place of uncertainty for far too long. And this morning I want to tell you that we are designed for more. The title of my message this morning is Designed for More. And I hope that speaks to each and every one of us that's gathered here this morning. That we acknowledge, we realize that what we've accomplished this far is far, far short of what God has promised, what he has uh, prophesied to us, and we are living below the level of his expectation of us. Sister Ida mentioned this morning that we are forced to be reckoned with. I hope that you personalize that and realize that you are a sleeping giant that needs to be activated. And what you desire is on the way. See, if you give up, if you quit, then you may be just at the point of turning, that point of breakthrough, and you've given up too soon. God wants you to stay in there a little bit longer. Keep looking up because scripture tells us that your redemption draws nigh. So a question that I have for you again, do you have a sense that you were created for more? Let that marinate in your mind this morning. Do you have a sense that you were created for more? Now, if that's you, let's raise our hands and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. Yeah, I, you know, it, it gets rather frustrating when we have prayed, when we have fasted, when we have studied, and yet we've not seen the change occur. Isn't it to you? It surely is to me. See, folks, I do believe that God is concerned about the things that concern us. We know that, don't we? But do you know that there's someone else who is concerned about the things that concern you? The enemy is. But I'll tell you this, that the enemy, he is terrified. He is afraid so much so that he spends his time trying to hinder your progress. He's concerned about you for the wrong reasons. So he has done, in my estimation, a masterful job with fake news. He has done a masterful job with the white noise, the background noise that is all around us that tend to distract us away from our purpose. And I must say that this has caused the defeat of many fledgling Christian leaders. So the enemy's plan, therefore, is to delay, to derail, and to forestall your plan, God's plan and purpose for your life. But we're not having any of it this morning, are we? Hallelujah. So it's time to flush him out and to take back what's been rightly earmarked for you. This morning, I want you to repeat after me. I declare, I declare this, is this is my day. I am going up. I am going through. I am going over any obstacle that hinders me until now. I am ready to recover all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right. So there are remedies that God has given to us in our lives that we might walk more uprightly before him and we might secure what he has already promised and pledged to us. So in James chapter 4, verse 1 through 10, I'm not going to uh, turn there at, at this point, 
But there's a portion of it that says, humble yourself, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So there is a remedy, there is a, a strategy for how we can get away from the bondages and the onslaughts of the wicked one. One of the ways is to resist. First of all, we have to humble ourselves. Understanding that our education or intellect doesn't amount to much when it comes to fighting the enemy. We have to recognize that we cannot do it on our own accord with our own strength. So we have to humble ourselves and, and, and give uh, um, accent to God and, and to Jesus Christ and the work that he has already done on the cross. So we need to humble ourselves, resist the devil. That means we walk in the opposite spirit. If he's trying to impress upon us to do things one way, then we turn and we go the other way. And then he will have to give up, have to flee, or try something different. And we know that he cannot win. So one way that, uh, that we can remedy the situation of dislodging the enemy from our lives is to um, make ourselves right, to get our lives right with the Lord. And then secondly, to enter the courts of heaven. And I'll, I'll expand on this as we go along. Enter the courts of heaven. And we can enter the courts of heaven for ourselves. And we can also do so on behalf of others in our lives. So today we want to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And I hope your ears are open that you might hear clearly what he's saying this morning. What I do understand is that everything that happens in our lives is by design. It's not by accident. And it's permitted or allowed to bring about some end that God has in mind. I do know that God is a strategic thinker and a strategic planner. And I believe that he creates things at least three ways. First, he creates it in his mind. All right? And then he creates it on paper. God writes it down. So there is a book in heaven with all of the instructions that pertain to our life. He writes it down. And then thirdly, it happens in reality. This is kind of like an architect. Think about how an architect built a building just like this one. He has to conceive the idea first in his mind. It's a seed. And then he starts to put it down on paper. Looks at the dimensions and, and the measurements and all those kinds of things. And then it starts to happen in reality. He may create a small uh, scale model or he might go and uh, start the building based on the plans that have been put in place. It's no different with God. He is a strategic thinker and a planner. And we are the beneficiaries of that um, attribute of God. So God did not make a mistake when he made us. It is my contention that he created each one of us with a purpose in mind and fashioned us in order to fulfill that purpose with the DNA structure that he has put on the inside of us. So I believe that there are individuals, groups, and there are people groups and our nations that are given specific tasks to fulfill here in the earth realm. An example of that is Judah. Uh, Judah, which is a part of the nation of Israel. Uh, those uh, who were the praisers, one of their missions and purposes in life is to be the praisers. And the praisers sing praises unto the Lord. And what that does, it stirs up the atmosphere and it causes dissension in the ranks of the enemy. If you remember, there are times when they were going out to battle. And they sent the praisers and the worshipers ahead. 
And when they started to do what they do, it confused the enemy and they scattered. They put their weapons down and they were defeated. God is saying that that is a weapon that he has given and some special anointings that he has put in certain people that they can be praisers. He also has Issachar as an example. And his, Issachar in the Old Testament, uh, another one of the, uh, the tribes of, uh, of the nation of Israel, he is considered the heavy lifter in the group. And all of his people are considered heavy lifters. They carry the burden of the nation. And as such, they're intercessors. They pray for and uh, they give instructions and directions for how the people should go forward because they understood the times and the seasons that they were in. So God is saying that it is so important to have purpose and destiny connected to people, to individuals, and to, uh, to nations. The challenge that we have is to find our purpose. But it could be that it's given in our name. But most importantly, in order to find out what our purpose is, we need to inquire of God. Psalm chapter 139, verse 16, a very familiar portion of scripture. Hallelujah. It says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, there were all written the days fashioned for me when there were none of them. That's a very important scripture to, for us to start to understand the kind of strategic planner and thinker that God really is and how he has designed us with purpose in mind. <clears throat> My substance. See, God saw something in us or saw something, you and I, before we ever existed. We were merely a thought in his mind. He gave us a destiny and a purpose he caused us to have what is necessary to function here in the earth realm and to do exactly what we were designed to do. He put his DNA inside of us. That is, he put the kind of wiring, the programming, the instructions that were necessary to carry out our purpose and our destiny. He made us unique. He made us individuals that there is nobody else in this world that looks like us or can behave exactly like we do. The desires that we have and the things that we gravitate to are a function of our wiring. The things that we do good and things that we don't do so well may be things that are part of our wiring. The gifts and the attributes and the abilities that we have give clues as well to the destiny that resides on the inside. This is all part of the DNA that God has put in us into our substance before there was anything. So I think we ought to praise him this morning because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has put eternity on the inside of us. He has put treasures in these earthen vessels. So you and I are important to the cause of Christ. Apart from you, we cannot do nothing. We can't do nothing. Apart from us, God really can't do anything because he is counting on us being his mouthpiece, his agents for change. He's counting us on us bringing into our world the value that he as our God, our creator God has and the benefits one can have in serving him. So all things that God saw, he wrote them down in a book. And that book I, I, I call the book of destiny. How's that? That was not my idea, I stole it. 
<laughs> book of destiny. See, so God therefore predestined us with a hope and a future for a future for us to walk in it. He predestined us. Uh, didn't, didn't mean that, that he made us to be puppets. He had an outcome in mind when he made us. Now we have to make choices along the way. All right. And so the second part of, uh, uh, of um, Psalm 139.16 talks about the days fashioned for me. So God has a time span designed for each and every one of us. So we're not here forever. All right. We have to understand that there is a measure of time that God has created us for. And if we haven't yet fulfilled our purpose and our destiny, what are we waiting on? It's time to get activated. It's time to step out of the shadows and into the game. Get out of the bleachers, cheerleading others on. Get in the game. Yes. Hallelujah, because we are champions of the Most High God. Amen. Amen. So the scripture specifically spoke of days. Why not years or weeks or months? Because God wants us to understand that not only is he concerned about the big picture, but he's also concerned about the minutiae in our lives, the small things in our lives, the way we feel when we get up in the morning. He's concerned about when we are uh, abused and misused by those authority figures in our lives. He's concerned about um, where we're going to live. And he also says he sets the boundaries of our habitation. You know, being here is not an accident. The fact that you're coming to this church is not an accident. And so we need to give him praise and thanks because he is guiding us and giving us insights as to how we can walk out that which has already been preordained for us. Amen. Hallelujah. See, God assists us in our daily lives in order to help us accomplish what has been written in the book of destiny. I think there may be days that shift us into our destiny. And if those days are missed, they could be catastrophic. You know, it's, you know, can you imagine that as believers, if we go in and out of relationship with the Lord, in and out of right thinking or right acting, we can really be challenging or uh, uh, well, putting ourselves in jeopardy. It can be really catastrophic because we don't know when our appointed time is going to come. And uh, the scripture in Revelation tells us that those who are filthy will be filthy still. You know, those who, when he calls your, your number, when he calls your name, and if you are found lacking, then there's no changing when you get into purgatory. There's no, uh, uh, there, there's no recovery is what I'm saying because you've missed your appointed time. Amen? So, so the, the appointed time is called the Kairos time. All right, this is your moment, your design moment where you must, must be active or else you could miss a great opportunity that God has had for you. Luke chapter 19, verse 43 and 44 says, and this is Jesus when he was talking to the nation of Israel about what would happen if they missed their Kairos moment. And um, he said, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave you in you one stone upon another, but will not know the time because you did not know the time of your visitation. What he's saying 
is that there's something that is very serious that might happen to you if you're not looking, watching, and waiting. If you're not engaged when your time of visitation comes. And in Israel's situation here, they missed recognizing that the Messiah, who the scripture had talked about in all of the, New the Old Testament had talked about, they had missed the fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And because they missed it, they did not live the kind of existence and have the kind of life that God intended for them as a nation. That is pretty serious. You know, when the evidence is clearly in front of you and you have all these testimonies and these prophecies that are coming forth and you still deliberately miss it, then you deserve to have setbacks in your life. And that's exactly what happened in the nation of Israel. But for us, it does not have to be the case. May we never miss our Kairos moment. May we never miss our moment. I believe that we'll be judged before the judgment seat of Christ on how much of what is written in the book we have fulfilled. And I do believe that the enemy comes at us to, to try to dissuade us and to prevent us from moving forward in our purpose in two basic ways. First, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes as a robber and he uses deception. That is illegal. But then he can come to us in a very legal way now as an adversary. And an adversary in the Greek is antidikos, A-N-T-I-D-I-K-O-S, which is one who brings a lawsuit. So the enemy uses legal means to disrupt you and to discourage you and to stop you from going forward. We know that in Revelation 12, 10, the Bible talks about he is also the accuser of the brethren. And that is also a legal term. He's a complainant at law, uses the judicial system to build a case against us. So it is very important to know the nature of the enemy as well as the strategy that he's using in fulfilling his mission, which is to derail and to delay, to delay us. So if it's an illegal system that he's using or process, then we have a right to take authority. We can bind and we can lose. The scripture gives us that authority. Father says that he gives us the keys to the kingdom. And we can bind and we can lose. Whatever we bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. So God gives us the right to bind and to lose when there is an illegal action that is foisted against us. But if it's legal, then we need to understand, have our minds shifted a little bit, understand the whole process now of going into the courts of heaven. You know, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, and I'm not going to read that, but when you get a chance to read that, it's his way of tying together what was written in the books with the fact that the enemy stands and makes a case against you moving into your purpose and into your destiny. So we know that our Father, Father God, is the judge. You know, scripture tells us in Luke chapter 11 that we can approach him as Father. Our Father who art in heaven, we can approach him as Father. And that is for our benefit. We can also approach him as a friend. When we approach him as a friend, then we're coming on behalf of someone else. We're being an intercessor. And then we can approach him as a judge. And as a judge, he has the right to litigate a case for us and to annul the charges that have been rendered against us. And so when the enemy comes in like a flood, the power of God will lift up a standard against him and will annul any charges that he has against you. And I'll touch on that.
going forward. And, and uh, the scripture tells us that when we're moving in purpose, there is a, an inheritance that is connected to our purpose and our destiny. And that's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. <clears throat> in him also we have an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So if there is an inheritance that is tied to our purpose and our destiny, and if we judge the size of our inheritance or the presence of our inheritance, if we understand what our inheritance is and it's not there, what does that say about us walking in our purpose and our destiny? I think some of us are out of position. I really do believe that. I think some of us have chosen our own pattern, our own way of existence, and we have divorced ourselves from asking the, the Spirit of God, what do I do in this situation? And we haven't decided to wait on him long enough to get the answers. But God is still patient. He's long-suffering. And he's yet calling us back into a rightful place in him. So when there is more to be had and you can't get it, so God is not mad at you and punishing you. Instead, the accuser has a case against you. And he is using it to block you from fulfilling your purpose and your destiny. So how does the enemy build a case against you? Let's talk about that for a minute. See, it's interesting to note that, going back to Revelation chapter uh, 12, verse 10, um, it speaks about that the enemy, again, is the accuser of the brethren. He gets to that place, he gets to make a case while he is looking into the books and while he is in heaven. Boy, that's kind of tough to fathom. The devil, the enemy, is in heaven making a case. Again, remember, there are several different heaven so he is making a case against us because he's able to see into the book of destiny so he understands what was written down about you and about me he understands that there is a purpose and a destiny that is yet to be lived out in our lives and as much as he can hinder that he will but he so he looks into our book of destiny and he finds things in our lives that might disqualify us legally from achieving our purpose here in the earth realm. And let's look at several things that the enemy may consider. One, he may consider our transgressions. What are transgressions? They are deliberate violation of God's principles. And it, it equals rebellion that's in our heart against God. Or he may look at sin. Sin can be defined as a systematic and deliberate choice that we make to continue to transgress. And it equates to missing the mark. And then thirdly, he may look at iniquity. And this is the habitual sinning and justifying it and then passing it along to others so that they might do the same thing. See, there are, there are things that happen in certain people groups or in certain families. There are certain families who are just warriors. They're warlike. You know, and you being born as a child in that family, you may not have seen any of those warlike actions and activities on display in front of you. You may have been raised somewhere else apart from your family, but at some point in your history, maybe at 8 or 10 or 15, what happens? Something gets turned on in your DNA, and all of a sudden you become warlike just like the rest of your family. How do you explain that? That could be explained as a stronghold that might be passed on to you 
through your generational bloodline. And the enemy looks at that, that stronghold, and that is hard to be broken. We can't bind and we can't lose that. We have to go into the courts and cause anything that the enemy has against us that causes the propagation of this uh, problem in our lives to be cut off. You know, interestingly enough, there are some things that our parents have done or grandparents have done that are now hindering and affecting us. Some of them have made contracts by virtue of their, their choices with the enemy. Some of them have opened doors and the enemy has gotten a foothold in that family line and as a result of that, not only did they suffer consequences, but now we may be in a place where we're suffering consequences and not even know it. And that could be the underpinnings for iniquities that reside in our lives. If we find ourselves following certain patterns and doing certain things that we can't seem to break away from, then there may be an iniquitous spirit that's alive and well in our bloodline, in our system, that needs to be broken. And in the way that we can, one of the ways that we can break it is by going into the courts and breaking that and applying and appropriating the work that Jesus Christ done in Calvary, appropriating the blood of Jesus Christ and uh, allowing our Father God to annul what has been passed down to us so that we can start new patterns for those of our children and our grandchildren and for the seed yet to come. Amen? So we have great power that's resident on the inside of us to change our situation. That we indeed, who are designed for more, can achieve more. We need to seek insight supernaturally. We need to deal with the issues that are at hand. We need to seek forgiveness if we wrong someone. We cannot hold bitterness. We cannot hold uh, unforgiveness in our hearts. We've got to let those things go because indeed we may think that we're binding others, but they're binding us. And those strongholds need to be broken our, over, over our lives that we might continue to it, the pursuit of our purpose according to God's design. I do believe that new levels of breakthrough will start emerging and we'll see clear evidence that we're on the right path when we start to activate the things that God wants us to, when we start to bind and to loose, when we start to uh, ask forgiveness, when we start to apply the blood, when we go into the courtroom of heaven and we ask Father God to adjudicate a case that the enemy has against us and then block him from ever applying the charges against us. Amen. And one evidence, one clear evidence of how this works is in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. This is where Jesus Christ uh, had a conversation with his, one of his disciples, Peter, Simon Peter. And he said to him, Simon, Simon, that indicates to me this is something urgent. There is something heavy here that needs to be dealt with. <clears throat> and he said that the enemy desires to sift you as wheat. In other words, the enemy has a case against you and it needs to be adjudicated. And I'm going to, I have already prayed for you. So when you acknowledge that it's over and you return back to following the purpose that you're designed for, 
strengthen the brethren. So Jesus Christ gave us the example, again, the pattern, that we can go into the courts when we perceive that something is happen, happening to someone that we're connected to. They may not see it for themselves. They may only be dealing with the, uh, the consequences of the enemy locking them up, disallowing them, and restricting their progress. They may only be going through that and not realize the magnitude of the issue that they're dealing with. You know, scripture tells us that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. And we have to go into the spirit realm in order to access the solution for, for the issues that are at hand. So Jesus Christ saw what was going on in Simon Peter's life, and he stepped up as an intercessor, as one who had access into the throne room. He had, uh, went up spiritually and made a case for why Peter needed to be released from this accusation. And it was annulled. And Peter was set back on track to accomplish his purpose and the destiny.